As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast, And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back. I know. I just feel like we should get right down to it. Okay. What do you think? Sure. I think we should start with the trigger warnings. Absolutely. Just to, you know, just to put that up top, we've got murder, drug abuse, opiate use and overdose and domestic abuse. Yes. Yeah. So definitely just wanted to put that out there. Uh, we do want to thank Misty Reagan for requesting this episode. And you guys, we've gotten messages about this all over the place. This is a really popular one that people are asking for. So if you sent a message requesting it and it's not on the, you didn't use the case suggestion form, then we can't remember where all you have messaged. So the suggestion form is where we can put your name on here to thank you. But everybody else who's messaged, Thank you. We just don't have your names written down. Right. Yep. And we need to go ahead and thank Madison for writing it up, right? Yes. Hey, girl. Thanks. All right. So I'm going to do a little overview. Okay. On Monday, March 2nd, 2020, Stephen Nix called his sister-in-law, Brittany Nugent, at work. He nonchalantly told her that her sister had tried to kill herself and that she should come over. So Brittany arrived at her sister's home to find that first responders were stopping resuscitation efforts and pronouncing her 32-year-old sister, Brianna Nugent Nix, dead. Hmm. The autopsy stated that it was an accidental death caused by an overdose of the opiate fentanyl. Brianna's family was stunned, absolutely stunned. The beautiful, bright ICU nurse was not a drug user and had never expressed thoughts of suicide. Less than six months later, Brianna's husband, Stephen, had his ex-girlfriend move into his house and was living comfortably off the money paid to him from Brianna's life insurance policy. By this time, the Nugent family knew that Brianna's death was not an accident and strongly believed that Stephen was behind it. Police, however, supported the ruling of accidental death, forcing the Nugent family to start their own investigation into what was so obviously the murder of Brianna Nugent Nix. I also feel like this this case has vibes of Ellen Greenberg to me. 100%. 
And I was thinking about this earlier, like it's less obvious than Ellen Greenberg's case that it's murder, but that's not, it doesn't take much to do that, right? Because that one was what, 20 stab wounds to the back of the head and neck. So it's like, it couldn't be more obvious, but this is so obviously just not an accidental overdose. Okay, you guys, just a reminder before we get to today's case that we have even more episodes dropping this very week on our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. And so tomorrow we are dropping our murder mixtape and we're covering the case of Magdi Gurgis. And guys, this one is a doozy. Oh my gosh. It's awful. Um, Tori felt very like twisty turny about it. She, she didn't see it coming. I did not see it coming. And you would think I would, but at this stage of the podcasting, maybe I don't know what I'm doing at all. I don't know. Yeah. That's a, a conversation for another day, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But you definitely got to check that one out. And then on Friday, we dropped the second half of our coverage of the Tinder Swindler on Netflix. So it's one, it's like a one docu, it's not a docu-series, it's just a documentary, mm-hmm. a one-parter, but it's pretty long. So we split it into two episodes. So last week we did the first half, this week we're doing the second half. If y'all haven't watched that, it is insane. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really interested to know like what everybody thinks. I feel like you talk to people and they're either like, think that the women in this documentary are just not asking enough questions or, you know, but I kind of feel like I would get totally swindled. So I'm just saying that. Yep, absolutely. And then we also have a Sunday episode. We do a little weekly catch up. We call it the T of the fourth power Y or the titty if mm-hmm. you nasty. Yeah. And we just gab about life. Maybe we talk about how I'm bad at my job. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about. But yeah, that is what we're going to talk about this week. Okay. Um, and if you want to learn about Pokemon, come there too, because I'm dropping all the Pokemon knowledge now that my kid is into it. <laughs> it's fun stuff. It's fun. Yeah. So go to patreon.com slash pod. You can get all those episodes this week if you want. You guys, that's four episodes. Plus... That's not even counting our Spotify Green Room live show at 9 a.m. Central on Tuesdays on the Spotify Green Room app. So that could be five episodes a week. Plus, when you join the Patreon, you get the backlog of every episode we've ever done on there. Yeah. You get like 400 episodes right now. So definitely worth it. And if you want to uh, never miss an episode, you want to get super insider info, then join our email list at killerqueens.link slash email. Let's just get into the case. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Brianna Lee Nugent was often thought of as shy and quiet, but once she felt comfortable around you, her real personality showed through. I'm kind of that way. I'm like very... I I sometimes worry that people think I'm a turd in like social situations. you're a a total bitch. Yeah, let's get that clear, but... Okay, well, yeah. But, so I am, but sometimes, like a lot of times I'm, I feel like, people don't want to talk to me. Like, I'm just like, I don't even, I don't know what to say to people. I feel like I'm going to be awkward. They probably don't want to talk to me anyway, so I'll just stay over here. And I just wait for people to include me in conversation rather than the other way around. So it's a little bit of social anxiety, yeah. but it can come across as... I think so. And yeah. I'm just, but like, once I get to know somebody, you know, I'm like... Gabfest. Gabfest, oh, Gabfest. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I just felt like a connection there. Yeah. Get to get I mean, because while I don't enjoy talking to you, I'm sure there are a lot of people who do. So, 
I think my husband does at some point. At least he did at one time because he married me. <laughs> it's up in the air about right now. I don't know. You know, <laughs> just kidding. Just but yes, kidding. a lot of people I feel like have that where when you first meet somebody, they're a little bit more reserved. Mm-hmm. They're shy, a little bit more quiet. But then once they feel comfortable, then yeah. they start to open up and then you can, you know. Yeah. Because she had like a great personality. She was smart. She was silly. She was always making people around her laugh. You just kind of like had to get to know her a little bit before she was comfortable sharing that. Mm-hmm. Her constant concern for others led her to attend college and earn her nursing degree. And even as a teenager, Brianna loved helping others. She and her sister, Brittany, were very close and they either talked to each other or saw each other almost every single day. Mm-hmm. Besties. I know. I love that. I love sister bonds. It's so sweet. Yeah, I wish I had that. Whoa. <laughs> Better don't. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Brianna met Stephen Nix in 2008 and the two dated for about two years and then decided to tie the knot in 2010. Her family never noticed any signs of physical abuse, but as time went on, Stephen became more and more controlling and seemed to be emotionally abusive towards his wife. Brianna earned her her nursing degree and was working at Princeton Medical Center in the surgical ICU full-time. She was also working part-time as a nurse at a nearby medical facility. So she was hustling. like Mm -hmm. Did we say where this is too? This is in Hayden, Alabama. Oh yes. Okay. Sorry. Well, no, you should be sorry. (laughs) You should be sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. Steven occasionally worked odd jobs for friends and family, and he had a job as a janitor at a local hospital, but he was fired. He got a job after that at a factory, but he didn't last long there either. Mostly, Steven sat around at home playing video games, and he was bragging about being a, quote, stay-at-home husband. Okay. When I heard, we watched an interview with Brittany on YouTube. And when she started to say he was a stay-at-home, I was like, oh, well, if he's a stay-at-home dad, I mean, that's work too, you know? And then she was like, husband. And I was like, so they don't have any kids? What is he doing all day? Like, they don't have any kids. Exactly. Yeah. No, he just played video games all day long. And he lived off of Brianna's salary. And the fact that he bragged about mm-hmm. that is just so off-putting. Yes. I mean, it's it's not fair. No. I mean, because, yeah, he, that's a control thing. You know, he would he would say stuff like that in front of her in front Mm -hmm. of anybody and basically like my wife works for me, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Like talked about it that way. Well, listen to this. So Brianna was bringing in most, if not all of the couple's income and Steven had become incredibly controlling about their finances. Like who gave you the right to do that? Exactly. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He tracked everything that she bought and would not let her buy anything that he didn't give the okay for. And if she ordered something, she had to have it sent to her friend's house so Stephen wouldn't find out. He would track Brianna's cell phone so he knew exactly what she was doing when she wasn't at work. Her family began to notice Stephen's obsessive and creepy behavior when they were together. When they'd go out places, Stephen, or with Stephen, he would often comment on other women, sometimes even taking photos of ones that he found attractive. That's disgusting. Yeah. Who does In front that? of your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, there's like... I mean, that is very emotionally abusive, psychologically abusive. Of course it is. Because what is that? If he didn't say you're not as attractive as as other women, if he didn't say those words exactly, those actions and the words that he did say Mm -hmm. exactly send that message. Yeah. And then sends the message that you need to do things to, quote, deserve my affection or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, well, you you need to be the one working full time and supporting me because. Um, And I don't know that that's exactly the case, but like all of those things go together. When somebody makes you feel not enough, Mm. they can get you to do a lot of things you might not have otherwise done because they break down your spirit. Yeah. And your self-confidence. And then you feel like, well, okay, how do I get them to, to choose Mm -hmm. me or to think that I'm good enough? Exactly. I mean, I've been there before in a previous relationship. Like it's, it's not a fun feeling. Mm -hmm. It's awful. So even though Brianna was close with her sister, Brittany, she didn't talk to her a lot about her marriage. And Brittany was excited to move to Hayden, Alabama, where Brianna and Stephen lived so she could be closer to her sister. And the two girls loved being able to see each other so often. And Stephen would often go to Brittany's house to help her with small maintenance problems or other odd jobs. And she said that while he'd be at her house, he'd talk really negatively about Brianna, saying that she had a shopping addiction. She spent way too much money. Okay. Which again, what are you contributing to be able to say that? Well, exactly. That, you know, gosh, I didn't realize it until just now, but this case and the Magdi Gerges case are very similar. Mm. Because that one, our mixtape that we're dropping on Wednesday, He was so controlling and he would only give his wife $5 of her entire paycheck. Right. I will say that a difference, and I'm not saying that this is, this makes it better or worse, but Magdi, he did contribute as well, Mm -hmm. but the control is still the same. 100%. Yeah. Her Mm -hmm. efforts mean nothing as far as having a say in where the money is spent or anything like that. Oh, absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Brianna was prescribed Adderall for her ADHD, but she had to hide it because Stephen would steal it. And in February of 2020, it seemed that Brianna finally felt it was time to get out of her marriage and away from Stephen. And according to Brittany, she began looking into options for divorce. Okay. That's February of 2020. Mm-hmm. And she dies in March. Yeah. 
Brittany said that Stephen began to display even more odd and inappropriate behavior leading up to her sister's death. And on February 25th, just a few days before Brianna's death, Stephen sent Brittany a text, quote, if your sister asks if you ordered us a sex swing, tell her yes and that it'll be here Friday sometime. I've got her fired the F up about it with the crying laughing emoji. Matter of fact, in about 15 minutes, text her and say, hey, just a FYI, y'all swing should be in Friday with the winky with the tongue out emoji. And naturally, Brittany found this incredibly strange. That is disgusting. Why? 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 If you as Brianna are, you want a sex swing with your husband, totally fine. Two consenting adults, whatever happens, happens. Cool. And if you want to tell your sister about that, like, oh, hey, you know, we're getting a sex swing. Pretty excited about this. If that's the relationship you guys have, fine. Your husband should never be talking to his sister-in-law about shit like that. No, it's wildly inappropriate. And the fact that you would have to say that out loud. Yeah. I know. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, what is happening? (laughs) I just don't like, I don't understand it. I definitely like every time we've gotten a sex swing, I do, I do ask (laughs) you like, you know, which one do you think we should get? But like, again, we're sisters, but it's good to get a second opinion. That's not, that's not the problem. But if, you know, (sighs) it's just so gross. It's gross. It's so gross. And this isn't the first time that like sex toys and stuff are going to come up in conversation with Steven and other people, specifically Brittany. It's very, very, like, you have to wonder if Brittany is just finding this strange, he's got to be acting weird as fuck all the time for this to be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Because that would be, like, disturbing in most situations, but it seems, you know, he's been in their life for, what, 12 years at this point? Like, Mm -hmm. he's obviously been chipping away at, like, what they think is, you know, inappropriate or appropriate. Well, yeah, obviously his baseline yeah, is weird exactly. as fuck. Yeah. So that, yeah, so. that just tells you like how out there he is for mm-hmm. this to be like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, this is a red flag. Yeah. On, on Monday, March 2nd, 2020, Brianna finished her night shift at the hospital after working 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So it took her about 30 minutes to finish up her charting and then it took her another 30 minutes or so to get home. So she's back home around eight o'clock in the morning. Stephen said he was asleep when she got home. Remember that. Yeah, put a pin in that. At 12.21 p.m., Brittany said that Stephen called she and Brianna's mother, Ginger, and asked if she was sitting down. And then he says Brianna had killed herself. At 12.23 p.m., Brittany was at work, finishing up her lunch when she gets a call from Stephen. And he says, what are you doing? And then calmly tells her, your sister's done tried to kill herself. You better get over here. Why would he start that with what are you doing? Yeah, like maybe he meant like in the, are you somewhere that you can receive this kind of information? But still, you'd think he would have gone with like, are you sitting down? Yeah, or even, you know, a phone call could have been nice too. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, he did call her. Oh, I was thinking it was a text because all, all the texting and stuff. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put it past him to freaking text her and be like, hey, that's what, yeah. your sister's dead. Come over. That's what like, I'm saying, yeah. And, and again, his baseline is so weird as fuck that Brittany's first thought was, okay, this is a weird joke and it's not a funny joke, but he's, but he's trying weird. to prank my ass. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, this is kind of how he is. And then she realized that, like, okay, he's being serious. So she leaves work immediately. She drives like a bat out of hell over to her sister's house. It would normally take her like 25 minutes or so. She got there in like 19 or 20. So she's like going as fast as she can. She pulls onto the street that they live on and it's totally packed with like police, ambulance. She knows, okay, something's really, really wrong. And when she walked into the house, Stephen was sitting on the couch with his parents on either side of him. And his parents looked really upset. Um, She said Stephen was looking straight down at the floor. And his sister, Edie Nix, was also there. And Brittany was just, like, in shock. She just couldn't understand, like, you know, she was fine yesterday. What's happening, you know? So at 12.54 on March 2nd, 2020, resuscitative efforts were stopped, and 32-year-old Brianna was pronounced dead on scene. People on scene told Brittany that her sister's body was already cold when responders arrived on scene which indicated that Brianna was very likely beyond help when 911 was called. Put a pin in that. Mm -hmm. Just before they pronounced Brianna dead, Brittany noticed that Stephen's sister, Edie, had left the house, and she didn't return to the home for about an hour. Brittany also noticed that Stephen's uncle, Leslie Moore, who was a deputy with Hayden Police Department, was on scene. Now, this was his day off, but he was dressed in his full uniform, which is a little odd. Very. I mean, because, like, we have family who work at the sheriff's department here, and they didn't wear their, like, dress uniform unless they were going in to work. Well, why would someone— It's a hell of a lot of shit to put on. Well, hell yeah, it is. And, like, why would you just wear your uniform on your day off just hanging out at the house? And he's already there. Yes. he's. So it's one thing—that's what I was going to say. It's one thing if, like— He's off duty, and then maybe Stephen called him and was like, hey, there's something going on here. You need to show up. And for some reason, he decided to put on his uniform, even though, again, he's off duty. Is that even allowed? Like, can you show up places in your uniform when you're not on the job? Because isn't that like, or do you just become on the job anytime that something happens? You know, because like, we got in a wreck one time and an off-duty police officer helped us, but he was off duty and he was in his regular clothes, but he still helped us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, does yeah. it kind of become like, if you're a police officer and you show up to a, I don't know, some kind of a scene, mm-hmm. can you just pretend like you're on the job when you're not? Well, I don't know, because one time I got pulled over because I was speeding my little a-hole off. Mm-hmm. Um, I can admit it. I was. Yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, it's it's true. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I got pulled over by an off-duty cop. And he didn't, like, give me a ticket or anything, but he was like, you really need to slow down. And I was like, <laughs> like I was yeah, so that's scared. I wonder. Could he, because ha- he's in his regular car, right? Yeah. But did he have one of those light things? How did yeah. he pull you over? Yeah. So, like, if he's off duty, can he write you a ticket? Yeah, I have no idea. That's my question. Yeah. And I know we're going to get, uh, this is a bad iTunes review coming out <laughs> because I don't know the answer to every fucking thing in law enforcement that there ever has happened, but just wondering. Yeah. You know, I don't know because it's so like, that's what I was going to say. It's one thing if like Stephen calls him and he says, hey, there's something going on. And like, you know, you need to head over here. And like, I need your like law enforcement brain on or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, maybe he was like, I need to get, maybe I need to put my uniform on to come out there because I'm going to be acting in a law enforcement capacity. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to find out is that he was there before any other police were there. Mm-hmm. 
So how would he have had time well, that's to what I'm get saying. dressed? And yeah. yeah. So like, even if that was the case, that doesn't seem possible in this situation. Right. A witness later said that police arrived within minutes of EMS. So they got there around 12, 19 p.m. And like we said, Deputy Moore was already there in his uniform when EMS and police got there. So WTF. Yep. Brittany didn't think that her sister would have done anything to hurt herself intentionally. So she really just couldn't comprehend that her sister was dead. And, you know, we hear that a lot, that people don't believe that, you know, sometimes that a loved one could harm themselves or would. And we never know what's going on in somebody's head. We never know what somebody is going through, you know, kind of like behind closed doors and things like that. But in this situation, it definitely seems like something was done to her and not herself. There are just too many suspicious things around that. And um, Stephen's story changes about 11 bajillion times. So you want to give us some of those? I would love to. Thank you so much. So Stephen's first story was that he'd been asleep when Brianna got home from work. And Brianna had been in the bathroom when he walked by around 11 a.m. And then he heard a thud. And he said that he thought it was her dropping her cell phone, didn't think much of it. So he left the house. He goes to the bank in the dump. He was gone for about an hour. When he gets back home, he noticed that his wife was still in the bathroom. So the door was locked. And when he knocked and called her name, she didn't respond. Stephen then tries to unlock the door using his nail. His fingernail? I'm guessing his fingernail. I don't think that he just has this like random nail in his pocket where he's like, oh, I got to break up my nail. I just, I was like, what? what's, what's up with this nail? See, now my, I know, right? (laughs) I worked at a salon years ago and sometimes the bathroom in the break room would get, the door would lock Mm -hmm. and you couldn't get into it. And I would use a bobby pin. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have to use like a little screwdriver to unlock all the doors that Jesse locks and then closes. (laughs) Yeah. That he's not even in the room, has no intention of using the room, just locks it and walks on. Yep. But your fingernail? I I don't, Hey. How to use what the Lord gave you, I guess. I don't know. That's true. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So once it was unlocked, the door was still stuck and it seemed like Brianna was leaning up against the door and he said that all he could see were Brianna's feet, which were blue at that point. So finally, Stephen said that he was able to push through the door and he found Brianna on the floor unresponsive. And that's when he calls 911 and EMS was dispatched at 12.14 p.m. Stephen reported that he tried to do chest compressions until EMS arrived. And he told Brittany that he'd noticed a needle in the sink along with a couple drops of blood. There was an 18-gauge needle found by first responders in the sink that appeared to have been used to inject Brianna with drugs. And there were several other unopened needles throughout the bathroom in various sizes. And Brittany said that the scene was absolutely horrific. And just to kind of... You want to give a little, like, insider knowledge about an 18-gauge? Yeah, I mean... 18-gauge needle is very large, and 18-gauge is what you would use to administer, like, the medicine to an IV bag or, right? Yes. So you're going to use that to draw up something. So, like, when um, I worked in plastic surgery, we would do um, expander fills, so patients who'd had double mastectomy or single, whichever, they would put something in that was going to expand over time to create space for a permanent implant after because the skin is pulled very tight. You know, they've removed everything, all the rust tissue. So weekly, they would come in at a certain point in their recovery and I would draw up 100 cc's or whatever we were going to do that day of saline. You draw that up with your 18 gauge because you can pull a lot more out because it's a bigger needle around. And then I would set up the kit And because he's going to inject that with a 22 gauge, which is much smaller. Mm -hmm. You never inject with an 18 gauge. That would leave a chunk missing out of your skin. Well, and didn't you say, I mean, for people that were getting like, was it their ears pierced? Yes. So he also did um, like, well, Tori had this done. So Mm -hmm. like where she had a gauge in her ear and then it kind of like never goes back or sometimes rips. And then you have like just little floppy hanging things there. Yeah. looks great. (laughs) Yeah. So he'll repair that. So he would cut that down and then like make the earlobe smooth again. And like, if you're going in the military, you have to have that done. You can't go in with a gauge and stuff like that. Many times though, after somebody would get their earlobe repaired, because sometimes it would just be because an earring would fall through or Mm -hmm. whatever, like split it. So after a while, they want their ear pierced again. So he would use the 18 gauge to pierce the ear, which again means there's enough, like that's going to leave a hole. Mm -hmm. So She's not using an 18-gauge needle to inject this. And I just found this uh, website. It's 
National Harm Reduction Coalition, and it's about intravenous drug use. And it says it's telling it's basically telling people how to safely do drugs. And like I know at the health department when I lived in California, they did a needle exchange. You could come give your dirty needles, switch them out for clean needles. They're just, again, trying to reduce the harm because people are going to do it anyway. But it says intravenous injectors typically use needles no larger than 25 gauge. And whenever possible, needle gauges should be matched to the size of the vein in which you're injecting. If you're using small, delicate veins like those in the hands, for instance, a thinner needle such as a 28 gauge is the safest choice. So they're not even starting at a 22. Like then it says intramuscular injections must be given with larger gauge needles, frequently 21 or 23 gauge. But we're not, nothing is mentioning an 18. Exactly. And I think, I mean, if you're not familiar with, because the only way that, the only reason why I know gauges like this is because I had gauged my ears, but also like nose rings and stuff like that. The bigger the number, the smaller. Yeah. The smaller the size of the needle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, if Steven's trying to go with, wow, you guys, you had no idea, but Brianna is an intravenous drug user. First of all, if she was doing that much fentanyl, she'd be out of her fucking gourd all the time. But other than that, she'd have holes all over her entire body from where she's been injecting the shit with an 18-gauge needle. And for her to be a registered nurse, yeah, she would know that. She would know that. And she would be able to get smaller gauge needles if she needed them. Exactly. Yeah. Guess who doesn't buy that story? Everybody in the fucking world. Yeah. Everybody. Except for the police, apparently, but that dog ain't gonna hunt. Uh-uh. Yep. So one of the first concerning things that Brittany noticed was that the home wasn't being treated like a crime scene. So Stephen and his family were allowed to just stay in the home, and his uncle continued to walk around the home as if he was a police officer, with nobody considering the fact that, like, he's related to this death, you know? He probably doesn't need to be the one on scene. Right. I mean, it's too maybe close he for can, comfort. Yeah, maybe he can be there for moral support for his nephew. Yeah, nephew. Yep. But he doesn't need to be actively working the scene. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's super biased. Like, And she also found out that Stephen's parents had actually arrived at the house before the paramedics. <sighs> and th- there could be reasons for this. There could be, yeah. Maybe they're next-door neighbors or something, yeah, right? maybe they just walked right over. No, maybe the EMS station was super, super far away. Again, no. The EMS station was much closer to their house than the location of his parents. Mm. So how did they get there? They got there before EMS. So by the time, like, and I I know that Stephen's uncle got there before the police did, who only got there a couple minutes after the EMS. I'm not totally sure if he got there before EMS or not, but we've got Stephen's parents arriving, then EMS. Mm-hmm. And Stephen's saying that he just finds her this way and immediately calls 911, right? Well, right. that can't be so. He had to have called his parents and then called EMS. Right, absolutely. But possibly even called his parents, called his uncle. Yeah. His uncle and then EMS because it's like his parents get their EMS, then his uncle, then police. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, he's just, he's a liar. Yeah, again, that dog ain't gonna hunt. No. While responders were still on scene and medics were still in the bathroom tending to Brianna, Stephen was extremely frantic about emptying the trash can in the bathroom. Which is crazy because where was he before this? 
Exactly. He just came back from the dump. And remember, he spent an hour to and from the dump. Mm-hmm. But somehow this garbage can wasn't emptied. Now, am I going to put it past somebody like Steven to miss a garbage can? No. No, I'm not. But if I had to guess, Brianna is the person who gets all the trashes out and then he hauls it off. But I would even reckon that Brianna's the one who takes the all the garbage to the dump too. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. So it's possible that he just missed one. But when somebody is tending to your wife who who you are saying you believe is not beyond help because the the medics are working on her and you yourself said that you did chest compressions until EMS got there. Why are you going to get in the fucking way and be like, I didn't change this garbage. I haven't changed the garbage. I haven't changed the garbage. Like, yeah, why is that priority number one? Exactly. You're going to give them their space. You may want to know what's going on in there, but you're going to let them do what they need to do. And certainly emptying the garbage isn't going to be on your mind. Oh, but Brittany said that she noticed that that garbage can was full. And, you know, like we said, he said he had just been in the dump. Could he have missed it? Sure. But why is there such a priority to empty it at this point? Mm -hmm. But he took the bag from the main trash and threw it in the bed of his truck. Hmm. While all of this is happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to guess that Steven isn't the kind of... And again, it's like the situation, right? Like, this isn't the kind of situation where you have company over and you're like, oh my God, look at how messy this house is. Let me hurry up and clean this. Exactly. Your wife is, at this point, you might think she could make it, might not. Like, this is a very, very serious situation. And all you're worried about is picking up the garbage? Exactly. Yeah, that it just does not make any sense. Police also found Brianna's cell phone, but it was locked. And so they asked Stephen for the code to open it. And he said, no. Not, I don't know it. He said no. And of mm-hmm. course he knew it because I'm sure he went through her phone all the time. Uh, you know he did. Luckily, though, Brittany was there when they asked for it. She knew the code and she unlocked it for them. They found her phone opened to a Facebook video that had partially been watched. So it was like she was in the middle of watching a video when she died. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the phone also showed a missed call from Stephen at 7.53 that morning, but the notification was still there, indicating that Brianna had not checked it yet. Another notification confirmed an appointment that Brianna had for the following day. And Brittany thought it was strange that her sister hadn't checked any notifications from around 8 a.m. that morning. And she's like, that kind of seems like maybe she had been dead since before 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And she also didn't understand how there was a missed call from Stephen at 7.53 a.m. because remember, he was asleep and she didn't get home till a little after eight. Mm. So he called her in his sleep. Yeah, that don't. Mm-mm. But witnesses later said that when police asked him that same question, like, what the fuck? He said, oh, you know what? Um, I must have like woke up and called her, but I didn't remember it. And then I like went back to sleep or something. I must have like woke up real quick and called her and then just like gone back to sleep. Uh, Okay. All right, Steven. I mean, whatever helps you sleep at night, man. Exactly. Also found on Brianna's cell were texts between her and Steven from the night before while she had been at work. The two had been arguing about an alleged affair that Steven was having. And there was clearly some information on Brianna's cell phone that police found interesting but Stephen told them they could only look at the phone while he was there and they could not take it with them. I'm just shocked at the how bold Stephen is. And maybe mm-hmm. it's because his uncle was there and was like, hey, don't let them 
maybe he was helping him with what to do in the situation, but you would think, one would think that if you're trying to figure out all of the pieces of this puzzle mm-hmm. and stuff is not making sense and you have nothing to do with it. Right. You'd be like, take it. I mean, go mm-hmm. for it. That's fine with me. But yeah. for him to be like, absolutely not, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't stop there. Now, I guess to play devil's advocate, say that there is evidence, you know, of an argument from the night before on her cell phone and she does die and you don't have anything to do with it. But the police then turn and use that as motive and like, oh, well, you killed her even if that hadn't happened, right? Right. Like, you know, on one hand, you can say, I get wanting to lawyer up and that kind of stuff so that you don't say the wrong thing. Sure. Before you talk to them. But it is just very interesting. Most people don't think that way. Right. Most people think, well, I had nothing to do with it. So why wouldn't I talk to them? Why wouldn't I give them everything? If you want to find out what happened to your wife, then you, it seems like you would be very willing to. And the thing is, yeah, I'm not saying that you shouldn't lawyer up or anything like that. I'm just saying, yeah, all, this is not the only red flag here. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They also wanted to look through his phone. They wanted to look at his truck. They wanted to look at Brianna's car. And Stephen was like, that's fine. You can look through Brianna's car, but you can't look at anything else without a warrant. So the police start the process of obtaining a warrant. And while they were waiting for that, Stephen's dad is trying to inconspicuously move the bag of trash that Stephen had taken from the house from his son's truck to his own. But the police saw this and they were like, not going to happen. In the bag, they found black gloves, syringes, and other things that could be considered evidence. At 3.30 p.m., the coroner removed Brianna's body from the home, and Brittany says that she never saw her sister's body at the scene. Later that night, after Brittany had gotten back home, she gets a really weird call from Stephen around 7 p.m. And again, Stephen is weird as hell, so you know this call is going to be crazy. So he finally had an explanation for the call from him to Brianna at 7.53 that morning. He said that he called her because he wanted to pull a prank on her, but he didn't say what the prank was. He was just like, oh, that was just a prank. (laughs) Is that supposed to answer any questions? I don't. Yeah. That doesn't tell us anything. Well, then how did you do it while you were asleep? Why did you say you were asleep? Like, of course, none of that. He's just like, it was a prank. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. He also told Brittany that he'd looked through Brianna's phone and he found Google searches for how to kill yourself and how to kill your dogs. So now he's a forensic phone person. Yeah. Do we believe anything that comes out of Stephen's mouth? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. And also him randomly calling Brittany to be like, hey, oh, by the way, I actually have an explanation for why I did this. That to me screams guilty conscience because why would he be so fixated on the lie that he told? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Brittany also recalled that Stephen had texted her at 12.02 p.m. that day, not long before he'd called her about Brianna. And the text said, did you figure out where to get your tag at school? And Brittany had been trying to get her car registered, but she'd been having a hard time because of COVID. I mean, and you know, this is March 2020. This is like in the thick of it. The strange part of the text that Brittany realized later was that at this point, Stephen had already called his uncle, Deputy Moore, to the house regarding a, quote, emergency 14 minutes before that. 
And then he's texting her as if nothing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then he calls her and says, hey, I've just found your sister, you know? Well, how did he know to call his uncle? <laughs> and that's still, that's still how, like, 15 minutes before he calls EMS. Mm-hmm. None of this is adding up. It doesn't make any sense. And he's just trying to cover his tracks is what he's doing. Yeah. So an autopsy was performed, but unfortunately was only released to Stephen, who refused, absolutely refused to share it with Brianna's family. That's so frustrating. It's mm-hmm. like, I get that he's, quote, next of kin, but he's got to be a suspect. Yeah. So why would you give it to him? Absolutely. The cause of death was labeled as an accidental death from a drug overdose. And the next day, March 3rd, Brittany and her mother went to Stephen and Brianna's house to get some of her clothes for the funeral home to dress her in. And after going through her closet and drawers, including her underwear drawer, they found no evidence of drugs or needles. And you guys need to remember this exactly. Yeah, specifically the underwear drawer. Yes. So on March 4th, two days after Brianna's death, Brittany received a call from Stephen at 2.44 p.m. And he asked her to come over to the house because he had something important to show her. So when she gets to the house, Stephen was there with his parents and his sister. And Stephen took Brittany into the back bedroom and told her that while his sister was going through things in the guest bedroom, she found two vials of fentanyl and she he showed her the vials. And he said that he'd also found a Tide Pod bag full of needles, but he didn't show her those. So after their conversation, Brittany and Stephen went back out onto the front porch where his family was waiting. And Brittany told them that she was headed to the funeral home the next day to do her sister's hair and makeup for the funeral. And Stephen's parents were like, uh-uh, no, you should not go. Please don't go. You don't need to see your sister after the autopsy. Why? Mm. Yeah. I guess one could argue that it would be too hard for her to see her sister that way, mm-hmm. but they were insistent upon it. So later that evening, a woman named Stacy Robertson was seen at Stephen and Brianna's house. And Stacy was the woman who Brianna believed Stephen to be having an affair with just prior to her death. Mm-hmm. Like literally arguing about it the night before she died right. with him. Yes. And Stacy and Stephen had dated prior to him meeting Brianna. They met at a hospital that she was working at as a secretary and Stephen was working at as a custodian. And about a week later, they were out, seen out in public. They were eating together at a restaurant. So now they're like actively dating, it seems mm-hmm. like. Just like... Full on together at this point. Yeah. A week after his wife just passed away. Seriously. On March 5th, Brittany went to the funeral home to help get her sister's body ready for the funeral. The funeral home staff showed her Brianna's body and Brittany could not believe what she saw. There were bruises in various stages of healing across her legs, feet, arms, hands, and torso. Brittany said that her right hand had defensive marks and bruising, and she remembered that she'd seen Brianna in a sleeveless shirt just a few days prior to her death, but she hadn't noticed any bruising. Well, she said she saw her, because there's on the interview with Brittany from the YouTube video, she was like, I saw her just a couple days before wearing a tank top shorts and flip-flops mm-hmm. and didn't notice one thing. Right. And she also saw there were over 80 fresh needle marks across her body. And she didn't see any needle marks that looked like they were old. And some of them were in places that she didn't think uh, Brianna could have reached, like the back of her elbows or her back. Like, they're in areas that, like, by yourself, you're not going to... Unless you're a contortionist, and even then, how? Right. And, like, you'd also, I mean, you know, if you're if you're going to, like, reach up to scratch a spot on your back or whatever that you can't see... That's one thing. But if you're trying to inject yourself with a needle in a spot that you can't see, Mm -hmm. 
that doesn't make any, you need to see what you're doing. You're supposed to find a vein. Mm-hmm. So like, that doesn't make any sense. And whoever injects themselves in their back. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that like, I mean, we have veins all over the place. It's just, you know, even if you run out of veins in your arm, people usually move to their hands and their feet. Yeah. Or I've even seen, because I I used to watch a lot, a lot of um, intervention and people have used their groin before. Mm. It just seems like, if you were going to inject something into your back, I just never, I mean, in medicine, I've never seen anything like that. You know, I've seen patients who like their veins are blown everywhere and like they have to use your neck or, but I've never seen anybody use your back. I mean, that's just like a thick, there's, you know, your skin is thick there. There's like, it's just hard. I would think it'd be harder to get to a vein there, Mm -hmm. but you'd need help to do that at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. And the funeral director was like, dude, I've never seen anything like this, even on like known drug addicts. Like I've never seen, because if Brianna has been doing this for a long time and has been hiding it, those needle marks aren't going to just have happened the two days before that. Mm-hmm. All right, Tori, pop quiz. Oh, I'm not ready. I know you're not ready. Give me a brief summary of microdosing. Uh, um, uh, uh, what's that? I can't. Oh, you can't? Uh, Okay, well, good thing I'm here because let me do it, okay? Microdose and the concept of microdosing is commonly associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. It can help people chill out, feel healthier, and perform better. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Right? Killer Queens is sponsored today by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Okay. Let's get down to business. Oh. Yeah. They taste amazing. I've got to tell you, as someone who can't shut my mind off to sleep for an entire night, since I have been taking them before bed, I never have slept so good. Like a newborn baby or, I don't know, one of my dogs, whichever you prefer. Because I know. They literally sleep so good. I know. Or a husband. Well, there you go. Yep. I'm telling you, I will not go back to attempting to sleep without them. I would absolutely recommend them all day, every day. They are a godsend for my sleep schedule now. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code QUEENS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description if you scroll down. But again, that's microdose.com and our code QUEENS. Brittany did take several pictures of her sister's body and she has shown them to a few select people who have confirmed that her descriptions are very accurate. Um, one of the, the Gavin Fish video that we watched, like interview with her, they talked about it on there. He has seen the pictures. Um, he's also shown them to a medical examiner that he's friends with who all agree that like, you know, according to them, that the marks on Brianna's hands look like defensive wounds. And that all of these needle marks look to be very fresh. They're not old. Brianna's coworkers hadn't noticed anything strange during her last shift either. They hadn't noticed any odd bruises or marks. And she had never been a drug user before. And she didn't appear to be suicidal to anybody that she knew. It wasn't something she ever talked about to anybody. And she was randomly drug tested at work and she'd never failed a drug test. So it's not to say that you can't begin using drugs. And it's not to say that you can't hide it from people because you can. But this is something that is so very strong and she's using so much of it Mm -hmm. 
that she wouldn't be able to pull off a full shift at work with no no issues. No. And the amount of fentanyl found in her system mm-hmm. was almost double the amount that would kill you. Would kill you. Not even like a, a recreational dose. It's Mm-mm. it's almost double the fatal amount. See, and that reminds me of Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a friend asked Brittany for photos of the fentanyl vials that, because Stephen had sent her, you know, the pictures of the ones that he found. And she compared those to the vials of fentanyl that they used at Princeton Medical Center, which is where Brianna had worked. And they weren't the same vials. And another hospital staff member said she'd never seen that type of vial at their hospital. And it's not like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've never, I've never bought drugs on the street, but I don't think that you're buying fentanyl in hospital grade vials. I have no idea. how. If you're buying it on the street. I don't know how, I don't know what containment verb it comes in. I don't really know. But as far as we can tell, like, if she's going to be getting a hold of vials like this, she's going to have to steal them from work. Well, and you would think, let's just say, again, like devil's advocate, I guess, like, let's let's say that she was an avid, active drug user. Wouldn't you think that since it's it would be so readily available to her because she worked at a hospital, that that's where she would get it rather than spending all kinds of money getting it on the street? Possibly. I mean, meds like that are pretty highly... Like they're secure, right? Regulated, I mean, you have yeah, to, they're yeah. secured. You typically you would have to like, I think a lot of places now they have like machines where like you have to type in, you know, like information and there's logs and stuff like that. I'm not sure how secure they kept them, but it 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 should be very difficult to just steal vials of that, first of all. But even so, even if that's what Stephen is alleging happened. These aren't the same vials that that hospital uses. Yeah. So that blows that theory out of the water. I mean, there's like, there's just no way. Yeah. Police had searched Brianna and Stephen's home prior to his sister, quote, finding the fentanyl, and they had found no drugs except for the fentanyl in the bathroom where Brianna was found. So they didn't find anything anywhere else. On March 6, 2020, Brianna Nugent Nix was laid to rest at Mount Zion Cemetery. Brittany said that during her sister's funeral, Stephen didn't speak to anyone, and he was on his phone most of the time. What a piece of shit, man. Yeah. Later that evening, Brittany had some friends over to her house to celebrate Brianna. Stephen came over, and he went outside to smoke with the husband of one of Brittany's friends. And while they were out there smoking, um, pretty much alone, he told that guy that he knew a lot of people high up in, I think it's pronounced Blunt County, it right? Is. Mm-hmm. High up in Blunt County and could get away with anything that he wanted. Stephen did not realize that this man was a police officer and he was off duty at the time. Well, that makes sense because I guess all off-duty police officers should be wearing their uniform. That's what I thought. So how are you supposed to know that you're talking to a a police police officer? Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed to wear their uniform at all times. Mm -hmm. Brittany said that once he found out that this was a police officer, his demeanor completely changed and then he just left. And the officer said Stephen seemed like he was guilty of something now. You know, you can take that with a grain of salt. That's just what he told Brittany. Right. The day after Brianna's funeral, Stephen asked Brittany to come over to the house. She told him earlier that there were a few of her sister's belongings that she wanted, specifically a purse that she'd given her last year. When she got to the house, Brittany said there was a smaller purse that she, quote, sensed Stephen really wanted her to open. I mean, partially because he wasn't, he wasn't bringing out the purse she asked for. This is the only purse he would 
bring out and want her to look at. But she opened it and she found a used needle inside with blood on it that looked fresh. The only other thing in the purse was a receipt from 2017. And she said that Brianna only used the purse that she gave her from 2019 on, not the smaller one that the needle had been inside of. She then asked if she could have one of Brianna's sweatshirts or another piece of her clothing. She looked inside of Brianna's underwear drawer and found more needles and a bloody napkin. (laughs) But that wasn't there the other day. Exactly. And it's so obvious that Stephen is planting all of this stuff and being like, I wonder what's in the underwear drawer. Do you want to take a look? Let's look at all the drawers. Maybe the underwear drawer is a good drawer to start in. Like, it reminds me of Chris Watts finding Shanann's wedding ring Mm. and being like, oh, she took her wedding ring off by the table. See, she left. Yeah. And and bringing it out, making sure everybody sees it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Fuck off. Yep. On March 10th, Brittany received a text message from Stephen, which read, you guys, Should I keep all these dang high-dollar sex toys or what should I do? Crazy question to be asking my sister-in-law. LOL. Mm Mm-hmm. I cannot figure out why he wants to talk to her about sex toys so much. Is he hoping that she's going to respond and be like, how about we use them? Like, I don't, I just don't, why, why are you asking her shit like this? Yeah, I have no idea. But the thing is, and if you watch the Gavin Fish YouTube video, he says himself, he's like, it's it's kind of obvious that Stephen did not see women, didn't look at women the right way. Like he very much um, degraded them. Yeah. It's almost like he only saw women in a sexual nature. Uh-huh. Yeah. As like a tool to get things done for him that he wants done. Sure. Whether that be a sexual gratification or essentially slave labor. Mm-hmm. She works so he can stay home and play video games. Like, yeah. I'm sure she did all the cleaning. I'm sure she did all the, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're I, not people to him. No. I cannot answer that question because that would require me to slip into the mind of a fucking sociopath, I feel like. But. Yeah. I don't understand it. It's off-putting at the very, very least. And it's yeah. creepy as hell at the best. You know, like, it's yeah. just. Ugh. For sure. On May 22nd, the toxicology report for Brianna was published, and the Alabama Department of Forensic Sciences found that Brianna had therapeutic levels of amitriptyline, amphetamine, sertraline, and mm-hmm. norsetrioline. Sure. Okay, I was like, oh God, I was sweating. These were all appropriate levels to be expected from Brianna's prescribed anti-anxiety, anti-depression medications, and her Adderall, but the report also found Here it is, guys. The 5.1 nanograms per milliliter of fentanyl in her blood. And that's a fatal, the fatal dose is approximately three nanograms per milliliter. So Mm -hmm. we're talking damn near double. Yeah. So this is, if you're using this now, accidental overdoses do happen. Of course. But if you're using this, hoping for it to just be recreational, I mean, you are that's somebody who took like a syringe and filled it up mm-hmm. and shoved it in. You know what I mean? Like that's just a, that's so much for the human body. And the thing is, I keep going back to, she's a nurse. She, she would, she would know better than just your average Joe, how mm-hmm. much an appropriate amount would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Especially since it is something used in the hospital. They yes. have guidelines for that. Yeah, absolutely. On June 2nd, Brianna's death certificate was issued and the immediate cause of death was listed as overdose and the manner of death was ruled as an accident. 
Overdose, mm-hmm. sure. Accident, eh. According to an independent investigator who's been working with Brianna's family, he was told by medical examiners that they write their autopsy reports, quote, almost completely based on the circumstance of their death. And they read reports that are given to them by the investigating offices. And in this case, the sheriff and the coroner's office. So he concluded that due to the autopsy report findings, it seemed as though the reports given to the medical examiner, most likely from Blunt County Sheriff's Office, were inaccurate. Yeah, which blows my mind because it did seem like they were actually on to Stephen at the scene. They stopped his dad from moving those trash bags. They looked or I mean, they didn't they didn't lock down the scene or anything, but there were a couple things that they were like, hang on. Well, they, they asked to see issuing, her phone. They were getting yeah. warrants. They were getting warrants. What happened with all of that? It's like they didn't care. I mean, unless Stephen knows a lot of people. Mm hmm. His exactly. uncle was on the scene. Like, maybe he was like, look, we're dead in the water. We're not doing this. hmm Yeah. Like, Christian Andriacchio, when the sheriff shows up and it's his day off and he's like, shut it down. It's a suicide. We're not looking mm-hmm. into it any further. Like, absolutely. you know, if one person says it's done and everybody else is like, well, I guess that's done. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. In late June, Stephen received the payout from Brianna's life insurance, which was about $160,000. He started making expensive purchases and he wasn't hiding it. He had new concrete poured on his property. He had a shop built on his Facebook. He was bragging about new upgrades for his truck. He got a new zero-turn lawnmower. He also bought some expensive ostrich skin boots. They are ricey, let me tell you. Did not know that. A witness said they overheard Stephen asking police if he would have any troubles getting Brianna's life insurance policy if the death was labeled a suicide. At the scene. While his wife's body was still in the house. See, his priorities mm-hmm. alone. And he supposedly doesn't, I mean, maybe at this point he's been notified that she's passed away. I don't know if she's been pronounced dead at this point, but like, seriously? Yeah. You know, he doesn't have, they don't have kids. Like, I mean, I get you, you know, you need to be able to pay for funeral expenses and stuff like that. But asking that question, like, well, if it's labeled a suicide, am I going to have any trouble? Because maybe I need to plant some other evidence. I mean, that's obviously speculation, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Six months before Brianna's death, she paid a premium in order to double her life insurance policy. And I mean, usually people don't double their life insurance. I mean, usually people have a reason for this. Like for us, since we, you know, recently bought a business, we had to double our life insurance policy because the franchise company needs to know that they're going to make their money if we die. Mm-hmm. So on. there are like, there are reasons, I know it's a little morbid, that you might double it. Or if you, you know, have a kid or I don't know, just there there are reasons that you might double it, but it didn't seem like any of that stuff was going on, especially considering that Brianna is talking about, like she's looking at, you know, leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she'd been, it takes a long time to think about that before you start making those moves, right? Yeah. So it just seems a little odd. Mm -hmm. Around that time, she and Stephen filed for bankruptcy. And because of this, when Stephen received a life insurance policy, all the money would come to him rather than going to pay off his debts. I mean, now he didn't work. Brianna did. She was a nurse. She made good money. Brittany thinks that she made about $80,000 a year, which is nothing to sneeze at for sure. No, it's harder to support two people on that, you know, when like he could be working and 
But they're, I mean, they lived in a small town in Alabama. Um, Brittany said that their mortgage payment was about $500 a month. So, you know, 80,000 could, could support them if they, if they're smart with money. But Stephen wasn't smart with money. Mm -mm. Like, I don't know how long he thinks 160,000 is going to last him. Well, that's what I'm saying because he's making all these huge purchases. Yeah. And just spending money like, He's going to MC hammered is what he's going to do. You know what I mean? Like, he's just going to, like, just yeah. spend outside of his means. Yeah. And then, and it, obviously, he has absolutely no work ethic or drive to work. He's not going mm-hmm. to do it. No, he doesn't want to. No. Yeah. During late summer, only six months after Brianna's death, Stacy Robertson, the woman who Stephen had once dated and was supposedly cheating on Brianna with, moved into his house. And a witness says that they renamed Brianna's dog. I cannot. Terrell, keep going. I'm just, oh, I'm. I'm mad as hell. Stacy even posted a photo of herself on Facebook wearing a heart-shaped necklace that had belonged to Brianna. And how do we know it's the same necklace? Brianna's mother made it for her. It's not one that you can go buy at Walmart. She made it, and he fucking gave it to her. This is disgusting behavior. It's disgusting. And like, as Stacy, first of all, I would be insulted. Well, yeah. Like, you're giving me another woman's jewelry. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. But, like, she just passed away. I I would feel um, immoral wearing it. Like, it's just not right. Well, but here's the thing about Steven. And, again, I feel like if if you know him like I do, which I think I know him pretty well Mm -hmm. at this point, um, Steven doesn't have any problems from what it seems, allegedly, okay, buying things for himself. But is he going to spend money on somebody else? Exactly. Exactly. Good luck, Stacy. Yeah. And Stacy did work at a hospital. She didn't work at the same one that Brianna worked at. But she worked at a different hospital, which I would like to know what types of vials of fentanyl does that hospital use? Yeah. And I know for a fact in the Gavin Fish YouTube video, he's talking to Brittany and she thinks that she remembers Stacy being fired hmm. for stealing medications. Bingo bongo. I mean. And again, this is alleged, but... Yeah, yeah, this is what Brittany has heard. But, you know, we can't get... Unfortunately, in this case, we can't get other information because the police aren't releasing anything. So Brittany has, you know, their family has had to hire investigators, like private investigators, to get all this information for them. They're having to do the work. So Mm -hmm. around this time, Stephen asked Brianna's family to help pay for a headstone. Which isn't that like part of what the life insurance money is supposed to pay for? It should be. Like handle funeral expenses and stuff? Yeah. He told them that he'd ordered it from overseas and it would take several months to arrive. Brittany posted a photo on Twitter of a text that was sent to Stephen in March of 2021 that said, Stephen, this has been a very long year. You mentioned before Christmas that a headstone had been ordered. When is it going to be delivered? And rather than responding to the text, Stephen had showed the text to his mother who made a passive-aggressive post on Facebook regarding the headstone on on the one-year anniversary of Brianna's death. She wrote that she'd been with her son when he ordered the headstone and that it was taking so long because he was getting a specific photo of her etched onto it. She wrote about how they were missing part of their family and Brianna will always be with them. And one part said, there is concern over Brianna's headstone and some people may say Facebook isn't the place for that to be addressed. So I would go so far as to say that's not passive aggressive. That's just aggressive. Yeah, that's true. 
Brianna's father commented and said, you're absolutely right. Facebook is no place for this nonsense, especially today, because remember, it's the one-year anniversary of her death. And one of Stephen's mother's friends was quick to comment and call Brianna's father a moron. What is wrong with these people? I cannot. All evidence collected from the house on the day of Brianna's death was never put into an evidence locker. For 15 months, it sat on the desk of the initial lead investigator who was removed from the case and the sheriff's department for unknown reasons. There are even photos taken at the scene that showed police handling things with bare hands. Most people, including the Nugent family, believe that this case was handled inappropriately from the moment police walked into Brianna's home. Mm-hmm. Police will not release the autopsy to the Nugent family, citing that they cannot since it's a criminal investigation, even though her death is listed as accidental. Hmm. The Nugent family has officially filed a wrongful death suit against Stephen Nix. Brittany posted this on the Justice for Brianna Facebook page. Quote, we have no control over a criminal investigation or what they do or do not decide to investigate, what evidence they do and do not pursue, and what ultimately their conclusion will be. However, we do have the ability to fully investigate the facts surrounding Brianna's death through the civil wrongful death lawsuit. That lawsuit gives the family, the investigators, and attorneys the ability to, through subpoenas and other discovery means, conduct a private, thorough, and fair investigation. We will finally have access to all of the evidence, including the most basic of evidence, such as the autopsy, which we still have been denied full access to. The Nugent family investigators and attorneys are now 100% focused on the civil wrongful death lawsuit that will finally give us access to the proof and answers that we've been asking for for over two years. Stephen still lives in the same house, but has reportedly become very reclusive, rarely leaving his house. He has cameras all around his property, and many assume he's just living off the insurance money that was paid out to him, despite the fact that the police say it's still an open investigation. I mean, typically when the investigation is open, You can't get that money, but they've got a death certificate that they can send to the insurance company that says accidental overdose. Mm -hmm. Done. And I would really like to know why the lead investigator, the initial lead investigator, was removed from the sheriff's department. And why did he not put the evidence into, like, a locker, like, a safe space? I know, exactly. It just does not make any sense to me. No. And that's going to be a hard one anyway with evidence, like, the evidence, because if you test it, Well, now they've got everybody's DNA all over it. Yeah, they didn't use any gloves. But even if they find, depending on what type of DNA, if they found Stevens on, like the syringes, the vials, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he did live in the house. Well, and no doubt, whatever evidence they had, he was the one who grabbed it and showed it to him. So Exactly, yeah. So it it will be tough, but it definitely seems like there's more than a head start there. Mm Mm-hmm. Please visit the Justice for Brianna Nugent Nix Facebook page. There are several links on the page to help support the Nugent family, as well as updates and more information about Brianna's case. And you can find the link to that Facebook page if you scroll down in the episode description. Um, typically, any podcast player you use will have that below. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I'm mad as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mad as hell. Yeah, so definitely check out that page. Um, I think they've got a GoFundMe. Like, they've got all kinds of stuff. You can sign a petition. Like, there are things that you can do that don't involve money that you can do to help, too, if you're not in a position to give. But definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, yeah, uh, let us know what you think, of course. But thank you so much for listening. And we will 
hopefully catch you on the next episode. We love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, before we go today, you know what time it is. We've got some shout outs. Shout out time. Yeah, for our newest patrons. So we want to give a hey girl thanks to Allie Hoover, Carrie Rosario, Jordan Jones, Allison Warinsky, Alexa Gaston, Austin Martinez, Matilde Doyen, Jessica Braithopt, Emma, Mark Main, Katie Lilly, Brianna Mooney, Lynn Pass, Samantha Pass, Tiffany Bird, Callie Daniel, Kim McCartney, Stacy B, Charlotte Murdoch, Ashley Jeffries, Sarah Jane, Heather Trapp. Let's see, it has tacos and donuts here, but it looks like Samantha White. Yeah. Katie Bates, Nadine Guzman Lopez, Sam Taggart, Bethany Rand, and Meg Ritchie. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Yes, we love you. Thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.